Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. How you doing, gents? Another round? Ah, uh, sure. Why not? Nice bar you have here. With me, any bar where people don't spit on the floor is nice. But thanks. My name is Carla. Hi, Donald. Daniel. You guys from around here? No, no, wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. Um, I'm good at this. You work in the Pru selling insurance. Home and auto. No. We're doctors at St. Elysius. St. Elsewhere? I was forced to have my kid in that mortician's delight. Hey, hey, everybody! These two butchers work at St. Elsewhere. Welcome to Cheers, Doctors Jekyll and Hyde. Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and on the second part of this episode, I am going to address the listener feedback that I received on the second half of Season 3 episodes. Before that, however, my guest and I are going to look at one of the stranger little crossover bits in Cheers' history. Before I tell you what that is, let me introduce my guest. You've heard him on this show several times. In fact, he was on the Season 1 Mailbag episode when we talked about the Cheers Super Bowl special and the U.S. Treasury Department promo. God, were those weird. So, it is, it is fitting to bring him back for this. From the SNL Nerds podcast, please welcome John Trumbull back to the show. Hello, John. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I, I love coming back for these these weird... Cheers, Curio episodes. Yeah, they very much are, yeah. So John and I are not talking about an episode of Cheers, but rather the third season finale of St. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere was an hour-long medical drama that ran six seasons from 1982 until 1988. It started the same year as Cheers. The show starred Norman Lloyd and Ed Flanders, as well as Ed Bagley Jr., Howie Mandel, Denzel Washington, David Morse, Christina Pickles, and Shag's best friend, William Daniels. The name of the third season finale is Cheers, so-called because a chunk of the episode takes place in the bar where everybody knows your name, and it guest stars Rhea Perlman, George Went, and John Ratzenberger playing their respective characters from Cheers. This episode of St. Elsewhere is written by John Mazius, Tom Fontana, and John Tinker, and directed by Bruce Paltrow, father of Gwyneth Paltrow. It originally aired on March 27, 1985, so this would have been between The Executive's Executioner and Cheerio Cheers, the last episode that John was my guest on. Uh, we are I remember not, it well. <laughs> we are not going to talk about the whole episode. Full disclosure, I have not seen the whole episode. But you can find the part set in Cheers on YouTube. It's about 12 minutes out of the show. Before getting into this thing, John, were you a fan of St. Elsewhere? Oh, oh, you want my St. Elsewhere origin story. Okay. <laughs> um, if you've got um, one, sure. <laughs> I, I, I did watch St. Elsewhere a bit in the 80s, but I, I was only a sporadic watcher of it because I was still like a little young for it. Because uh, when this episode aired, I would have been about 12 years old. I was like just enough to get into the shows like St. Elsewhere or Hill Street Blues or that. But those were still kind of grown up shows. So I, I watched enough of St. Elsewhere to know the characters mm-hmm. and their basic situations, but I haven't seen every episode. What about you? Yeah, I, I didn't. I watched. I watched a few episodes. I kind of vaguely remember watching some in syndication, um, but I think I watched a few at night. But these would have been later because my memory is most of the episodes I do remember. I th- had Ronnie Cox, and I don't think he came on the show until the last season right he was a later addition he uh i think i think it was ed flanders character mm-hmm. like he resigned as uh, chief of medicine i think and then ronnie cox came in as the replacement and uh 
the show was canceled not too long after. And I think Ed Flanders came back and made a few token appearances in the, in the final episodes. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that sounds right. Cause yeah, yeah. So I, I remember some Ronnie Cox episodes. So we're talking about seeing the very end. So it probably would have been 87, 88, something around there. And I, mm-hmm. I vaguely remember Howie Mandel, uh, from the show, but yeah, I wasn't a regular watcher, but I'd seen a, a couple of episodes and I remember, I, Maybe during syndication, it was always running before or after another show that I was watching because I remember the theme pretty distinctly. Yeah, it was a good theme. And, you know, it's a shame because I remember it being a good show, but it's fallen down the cultural memory hole a little bit because I don't think you really see the hour long shows in syndication the way you used to. Right. And. I'm not even sure if it's streaming anywhere. I don't believe so, and I I don't even think all of the seasons are available like digitally or other things like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. show Denzel Washington. How is this not like? I, I know, and I think it's mainly remembered as the show where Denzel Washington really got his start or mm-hmm. first came to the public's attention. Yeah. But you know, it also had Mark Harmon, who of course had that yeah. has had that huge run on ncis for god knows how many years and there's so many good actors i mean howie mandel is, is in it um ed bagley jr and it, it's a really good show but i think probably because it's an hour-long show and probably because it was a pretty heavily serialized show you really need it on streaming or to watch it on dvd to, to get something out of it yeah anyway um for this episode or the the section that we're going to be talking about um, three of the doctors, Dr. Westfall, who is Ed Flanders, Dr. Oshlander, Norman Lloyd, and Dr. Craig, William Daniels, they meet at Cheers. Um, they talk about Oshlander's wife, who is going in for surgery. They talk about fathers and sons and relationships. They talk about mentors. Um, they're kind of all three kind of going through these, you know, situations with their lives. Uh, at one point, Dr. Westfall says that he's going to be leaving medicine. They they mentioned that Dr. Ehrlich recommended this bar. That was Ed Bagley Jr.'s character. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, right from the beginning, I mean, Carla is there. She's serving them, and she seems very nice at first until they mention that they are doctors at St. Allegius, and she calls it St. Elsewhere, and she says that she had their her kids there, which is in continuity. That's, that's canon. That was mentioned uh, back in the second season. Yeah, in, in, I looked it up. It's in the episode "Little Sister, Don't You." Yeah, the second season when like yeah. Carla goes into labor and Sam says, "Like take her to Saint Allegius." Yeah, yeah. And, and the conceit on the show was that the hospital Saint Allegius it was like everybody's second choice. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't the best. It was it was a hospital with a lot of budget problems and stuff like that. Yeah. So its nickname was Saint Elsewhere. Yeah, you know, as the doctors are doing their thing, so you know, Carla once she finds out that she's you know they're, they're doctors at Saint Elsewhere, which she hates. Then she turns on the venom, and she's just very acidic and, and critical of them every time she comes back to serve them or, or give them new drinks. At one point, Norm walks in, and he gets the Norm intro, but boy, does it not feel very good. And it then we find out that he is he, is, he used to be Dr. Oshlander's accountant, and they go through a bit there, and then... Uh, Cliff is there, and Cliff tries to get free medical advice from them. And then... The, the, <laughs> We we mentioned this we mentioned this before we started recording. This is just weird, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's weird one because you know it's Saint Elsewhere was like an hour long dramatic show that they shot on film, and here they're the characters they go to what is obvious still obviously a sitcom set because it's just got the three walls, right? And you're not really seeing the cheer sets in a different way the way you might expect if they built like a generic bar set. For these these scenes, uh-huh. because they, they they would still probably have four walls, or they would shoot it in a different way, and you you think, oh, it's the cheer set showing up on scene elsewhere. They're probably going to shoot it in a different way, but no, it it still looks kind of like an episode of Cheers. It's got that kind of flat sitcom lighting, and they obviously don't have a fourth wall. Mm-hmm. And Norm's entrance in particular is really weird. Because they they shoot it from an odd angle, like they shoot it with like a steady cam, with kind of following George Went as he walks in, and there's just this black void to the left of him. Right. It's. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like whose idea was this? Who thought it would work? Because yeah, ultimately what you have is you have a hour long drama show moving into the set of a sitcom and trying to incorporate those characters mm-hmm. 
and trying to write for them in a way that feels natural for those sitcom characters. Yeah. But the comedy doesn't work because it's like these these worlds don't match. Like, what are you doing? Like, it, It's a weird matchup. I mean, on one level, it kind of makes sense because they were both NBC shows mm-hmm. and they both took place in Boston. Right. So, okay, they could conceivably exist in the same universe. And it's, it's kind of fun to contemplate it. Ken Levine actually uh, asked one of the St. Elsewhere writers, John Macis, on his blog. Um, and, and John Macis wrote a little thing for, for Ken Levine about how it came to be. Um, and I've, I've got it up here if you would like me to read it. Please, please do. Okay. So it says, uh, how St. Elsewhere came to Cheers, a revisionist history. Tom Fontana, John Tinker, and I wrote the episode. Bruce Paltrow directed it. The episode had three story arcs. Uh, Westfall dealing with his autistic son. Craig coping with his mentor's Alzheimer disease and Ashlander coming to grips with his own mortality. We thought it would be fun to write a scene where the three friends met for a drink after work, something we had never done and obliquely share their concerns and fears. So we thought, why not the cheers bar? Uh, Tartikoff, Brandon Tartikoff, uh, loved the idea. Paltrow called his old friend Burroughs and they hashed the production constraints one day to shoot during a cheers hiatus week. Perlman and Ratzenberger graciously signed on. I wadded the coach behind the bar, but he was dead. So creatively, we decided to go for it and wrote essentially a one-act play that was the entire third act of the episode. Due to the constraints of the three-camera set, we shot pretty much in one direction. Blew through 15 pages, twice our normal load in one day. I remember it being a great fun day. The show turned out well. It was picked to be aired at our 20th anniversary event uh, held at the Paley Museum of TV and Beer Drinking. The only negative feedback was from the Charles Brothers, who didn't like the dialogue we wrote for Carl and Cliff. <laughs> However, <laughs> their bastard stepbrother, Ed Charles, utility infielder extraordinaire for the 69 Mets, was a big fan of the episode. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... That's interesting. I mean, I think it it probably just happened because of the way the reason most crossovers happen is the creators thought it would be fun. I guess so. I guess if you were watching, so that was one of my my questions. Like, I mean, if you were if you were coming to this episode as a Saint Elsewhere fan, would you enjoy this? Does this work? Like, would it would it convince me to watch Cheers? <laughs> yeah, uh, um, um, I don't I don't think it would necessarily convince me to watch Cheers because. It's not as funny as a Cheers episode is. Right. And it's also so weird to see Cliff, Carla, and Norm making jokes, and then there's no laughter. Right, right. But It's just eerie. Not only that, like, it, I, I, th- I think my biggest problem is, is you know, with a sitcom where they're, they're, they're telling jokes, it, when you put that in a dramatic setting with dramatic actors responding to the comedy instead of a laugh track it you you can no longer suspend your disbelief the absurdity of the dialogue becomes true like all of a sudden once norm has to confront this this guy who he used to be the accountant for dr oshlander and oshlander's like well you know the irs didn't like it when you tried to you know declare my whatever uh, he says you you tried to claim uh, my six-year-old, I think he says son, as yeah. an employee. <laughs> as an employee or something like that. Yeah. And you don't get the laugh track. You just get the other two doctors looking at each other kind of awkwardly. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this isn't funny anymore. Now this, now Norm seems criminally negligent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, You're like, I think Norm's a bad accountant, you guys. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I knew he was a bad employee, like sneaking out of his, his job early. <laughs> to go drinking at Cheers, but I I never, I mean, yeah, this does seem criminal. Yeah, yeah, like borderline, like, yeah, and, and yeah, because you're just cutting away to the other two doctors, like, seriously? And then, like, like every time when Carla comes up and uh, William Daniels' character, like, right, offer, like asks for some kind of, like, wine or something, she she's like, what do I look like, a sommelier? Or a, yeah. yeah, a sommelier. Okay, that seems like a St. Elsewhere word, that Carla would know what a sommelier is, but I don't think she would ever say that word. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think of the three Cheers characters the St. Elsewhere writers handled, I think they probably captured Cliff's voice the best because Cliff is trying to wrangle free medical advice from them, and he's just kind of BSing his way through it using made-up medical jargon. And, of course, he's not fooling any of the real doctors for a second. But that's the thing. Would Cliff do that to an actual doctor? 
Yeah, maybe not. Probably not. No, he would, he would try to BS somebody else with a doctor around. Yeah, like yeah. We, we talk about his like fractured radialis or something like that. Right, right. Like, if he was in the bar, but like if he was going for a physical, it's like. And and one of the doctors asks him. I, I think it's Doctor Craig says like any hair on your mailbags. Yeah, like which is which is this weird kind of joke. And I think that's the one joke that Auslander grins at. <laughs> You're in a scene with three genuine sitcom characters, and that's the joke you laugh at. The one, right? right. So it's I, like, I guess he's just showing solidarity with the character from his own show, right? And it, so it's just like it exposed like like Carla's hostility just seems way over the top because you're not used to it. It like mm-hmm. if you're these guys like like when Craig is like, have you guys been taking this abuse? Like, why are we listening to this woman? Like, and like yeah. when, when he leaves, he's like stiff her, like, don't give her a tip. Like don't pay for these. Like, well, it's, it's weird because like, she starts out the scene so pleasant. She's like, yeah. hi guys, I'm Carla. I'm your waitress. And you're yeah. just like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> I mean, I think this, this episode is also very interesting to contemplate because it forms a large part of the television crossover universe. You're probably aware of like Dwayne McDuffie proposed the what he called the Tommy Westfall. Yes, hypothesis. yes. Uh, because one of the characters in this scene, Doctor Westfall, he had an autistic son. Right, they Tommy make reference played, to his son. Yeah, in the episode. yeah, it was played by uh, Chad Allen, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the last episode of Saint Elsewhere. Spoilers if you've never seen Saint Elsewhere. It basically revealed that the entire show was in the imagination of this autistic child. And it, it, the the camera zooms in on the snow globe that has a little uh, sculpture of Saint Eligius inside of it, mm-hmm. and yep. and the implication is the the kid imagined the the entire run of the series. Right. So therefore, since Cheers crossed over with Saint Elsewhere, and Saint Elsewhere ended up crossing over with other shows, Saint Elsewhere, a couple of characters from Saint Elsewhere showed up on Tom Fontana's next series. Homicide Life on the, on the street. street. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Richard Belzer was in that, and then he moved over John to John Munch. To- God bless John Munch, center of the TV crossover universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have created Munch Week, by the way. Um, <laughs> Google it, and it's it's a thing. Um, and yeah, because Munch, after Homicide was done with, he went on to Law and Order Special Victims Unit. He's crossed over to the other Law and Order shows. They used Dr. Ehrlich, who's mentioned in this scene. In the Homicide Reunion movie from 2000, mm. um, and uh, uh, Dr. Roxanne Turner, who was uh, Alfre Woodard's character from St. Elsewhere, she showed up on a late episode of Homicide as a doctor who was uh, doing assisted suicides, and mm. she and she had, was playing the same character. So St. Elsewhere definitely crosses over with uh, Homicide. And at one point on St. Elsewhere, they had one of Bob Newhart's patients from the old Bob Newhart show show up. Wow. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was treated by this quack doctor in Chicago. And Newhart ended up, like, Newhart, the the 80s show that Bob Newhart did where he was running the hotel in Vermont, Vermont, that turned out to be the dream of his character from the Bob Newhart show show. from the 70s. So maybe maybe Dr. Bob Hartley is tapping into the same dream world (laughs) as... Tommy Westfall. Or it's a dream within a dream. We're now like an inception yeah, character. But yeah, yeah. But then but then yeah, all of the cheer spin-offs, so like Frasier obviously, but Wings, um mm-hmm. the other yeah, ah, yeah. So and yeah. Frasier had, I, Frasier had a cameo on the John Larroquette show at one point. Yeah, he did, yeah. It's, it's incredible just the tendrils of this go out and it, it crosses over into literally dozens, if not hundreds, of series. <laughs> uh, like just Google Dwayne McDuffie. And uh, uh, Tommy Westfall hypothesis, and I'm sure you can find the original column somewhere. And it's <laughs> it's an amazing piece of imagination. And yeah, the, the late great uh, Dwayne McDuffie, he was a it very was, clever guy. Man, it was yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, yeah, my my, I get what the writers were going for and a valiant mm-hmm. effort, but this just seemed like it was a interesting idea but it it just showed that these two things were not meant to cross over in this way because yeah. bringing bringing the 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 sitcomy the jokey cheers atmosphere into this real drama series just accentuates the, like sort of the absurdity of some of their jokes and some of their humor styles and and these characters just look kind of pitiful and the doctors just kind of like looking at each other like just what are we doing here? <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, are these yeah. people for real? Like, 
Who the hell, like, who the hell are they? Like, who talks like this? I mean, you want, you wonder, like, okay, would it have worked better if, like, some of the Cheers writers had taken a pass at the scene and, like, polished up the dialogue of the Cheers characters? Or would it have worked better if you had some of the St. Elsewhere characters cameoing on an episode of Cheers? See, that, I mean, that, that's actually, that was, like, the one kind of thing now is, I, I kind of, like, wondered if we would have had a scene, like, with Ed Bagley Jr., just, like, in the, the bar or something, playing the same character. I could uh, see that working if they had like Dr. Ehrlich because he was one of the goofier characters on St. Elsewhere, mm-hmm. as I recall. Yeah. And I think Howie Mandel yeah, or Howie Mandel, yeah. character. If you had those characters, it wouldn't be as jarring. But here it's like these are like the three of the straight dramatic characters in the show. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it really does seem odd. But now it is kind of like fun now, sort of retroactively to think that all of the characters, the, the background extras, the people that you see in the tables up by Tecumseh or over by mm-hmm. the piano, the guys sitting down next to Al in the back row or something like that, or, or Phil in later seasons, like all those guys, they have their stories. They have, like Those might be the stars of their own little shows in the St. Elegis, uh, you know, expanded universe or something yes, like that. Yes. The, like, you know, the, all of those, they might be doctors and they might have like their own little things. Like I do think it is kind of cool to surmise that, you know, Every one of those background characters has a life and a story and maybe their own hour-long drama series that we're not watching. So. You just blew my mind, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, I didn't know this episode existed until like the day I started doing this podcast. <laughs> that, that blew my mind. I was like, wait, what happened in St. Elsewhere? I think they might have even promoted it. There might have been uh, like a TV guide. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they would have tried to promote the hell out of it because it's a novel yeah. idea. Just get, kind of gain audiences for both shows. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 I was I, way. I was too young at that time. I don't remember. But. Yeah, I don't remember what night uh, Saint Elsewhere aired. I, I think I was coming across that it aired on Wednesday, so it wasn't the same night as Cheers. Uh, uh, I don't know what was on Thursdays after Cheers, but I'm sure it was an hour long drama. It's probably Hill Street. It, still, for a while, it was Hill Street Blues. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was the the. I don't know if they started at the same. I don't think they started at the same time. But for a while, Hill Street Blues was the the uh, ten o'clock Eastern. Uh, yeah, drama and I know it was LA Law, like in the later years. I think. Yeah, yeah. So and then and then like ER premiered in '94, so that was like right after Cheers right, ended. Right. Well, anyway, John, thank you very much for doing this. For coming back for another one of these weird little uh, forays into the the. I, I, yeah, just the, the, the weird little things that Cheers did from time to time. I love doing these television deep dives. It's it's so much fun, man. It is, it is. Thank you. Uh, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Uh, well, as always, uh, same as last time, you can find me on the SNL Nerds uh, podcast from the Nonproductive Podcast Network. I co-host that with my uh, friend and fellow comic uh, Darren Patterson where we talk all about new episodes of Saturday Night Live when the show is on. And when the show is off, we cover uh, movies and documentaries uh, involving people from SNL. And we have a lot of fun doing it. And we go on fun tangents like this. All righty, folks. I will be back in just a few seconds with your listener feedback from episodes 13 up to 25. Attention. Attention all personnel. New from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, it's MASHCAST! Hosted by MASH megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes, episode by episode, the greatest television series of all time, MASH! Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com all righty now i get to dive into your listener feedback first thing i'm going to do is respond to the comments left on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com like always i am not going to read every comment i'm just going to cherry pick one or two from each episode so season three episode 13 who done it with my guest gene Hendricks, received comments from tim price gene Hendricks, and ciscoid Tim Price said, Carla's character is fascinating in this episode. In the season one episode, Father Knows Last, Carla was set to trick a smart, well-off guy into thinking he was her baby's father, which possibly would have resulted in marriage. Here, she has almost the same situation, except Ludlow actually is the baby's father, and she won't take him up on marriage. Has she changed as a person? Did she learn her lesson from that previous episode? Does she truly care for Ludlow so much that she she can't lie to him about her feelings, contradictory as that statement sounds. 
Uh, and then Gene actually responded to that comment, giving about as good an answer as I could give. Uh, Gene said, I think Carla wasn't in love with Ludlow. She had fun with him, but that's really all it was. Knowing what a loveless marriage is like, she didn't want to do that to either of them, so she backed off. Yes, it's a switch from season one, but then I think she was in a bad place and really desperate for stability. Now she's in a much better situation, having taken control of her life, so she's able to think more rationally about it. Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, Siskoid even pointed out that Carla's not the type of character who's just going to settle, you know, as as terrible as her relationship with Nick might have been. She was in love with Nick. Uh, so that was a difference. Episode 14, The Heart is a Lonely Snipe Hunter, with my guest Jason Albrecht, got comments from Clinton Robison, Rob Kelly, Rob McCarthy, Tim Price, and Siskoid. Rob Kelly said, One of my favorite episodes of Cheers, mostly because, as Ryan pointed out, it really gives added depth to Frasier, who could have been a one-note character in less talented hands. Having been the victim of a particular cruel practical joke once, I have never been a fan of them, and I would have loved to have had Frasier's intelligence and found a way to turn the tables. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good little revenge short uh, for that purpose. Uh, and Rob McCarthy also said, Strange as heck, I remember seeing this and loving it, but I have not. I remember them tricking Cliff. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you about that. I mean, that's it, an, an interesting mistake. There are certainly more episodes in the future where the gang does play tricks on Cliff. Uh, and you might even be misremembering one, I think it's in the final season, where the guys abandon him at a uh, uh, drive-in movie theater. Maybe that's what you're thinking of, but I'm not sure. Uh, episode 15, King of the Hill, with my guest Blaine Dowler, got comments from Tim Price and Steve Rogers. Steve gave us a fun David Paymer bit. David Paymer was a guest actor in this one. He said, in 1990, he was Billy Crystal's character's long-suffering brother and manager in Mr. Saturday Night, about a burned-out comedian that got his big break during TV in the Borscht Belt Catskill circuits in the late 1950s, early 1960s. Anyway, fast forward to a few years ago, Pamer portrays a high-powered entertainment mogul with apparent mob ties in the Amazon Prime series The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, about a rising New York City-based stand-up comedian in the late 1950s and early 1960s. Notably, Pamer's character represented one of Maisel's rivals and attempted to have her and her manager blackballed from doing comedy after Maisel savagely went after his client in a performance. Just a pair of interesting connected turns. That, that is very, very cool. I just, just a couple of months ago, I started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I only got three episodes into it, and I really, really liked it, but somehow got sidetracked, so I need to get back into it. I need to, I'll probably start over from the beginning, but I really, I was really liking that show. Um... Episode 16, Teacher's Pet, with guest Brandon Davis, got comments from Tim Price, Paul Wildenberger, Rob Kelly, and Siskoid. Paul said, add me to the list of people who cannot hear the name Albania without bursting into song. You border on the Adriatic. Uh, and Rob said, I like the detail that Sam was a high school dropout. Not sure the writers meant it as such, but it is a nice comment about what the meat grinder of pro sports can do to people. And then what do they do once sports is done with them? What does an alcoholic high school dropout do when his career is over in his early 30s? I mean, if it was me, I'd run for office. Episode 17, The Mail Goes to Jail, with Marlene Stemmy, got comments from Siskoid and Tim Price. Tim said, At first glance, this episode was doing the usual tricks to hide Shelley's baby bump within the story. But is it possible that the writer started with, How can we hide the baby bump, and the story followed? Let's put her in a big coat. Why? Because it's winter and the bar is cold inside. Because... The heat is out, and then she gets stuck somewhere so we can only see her face, maybe in the vents in the floor. Ooh, yes. It might almost explain why the gags weren't there in the dialogue. The biggest gag was the meta-gag of hiding Shelley from the audience. That would not surprise me if they if they were kind of approached with, here's a situation, we need something to... We need a reason, you know, to to hide Shelley for a, a good chunk of this episode. And then the whole gag with uh, the heat being out followed... I, that wouldn't surprise me. 
Um, episode 18, Bar Bet with Ashford Wright. Got comments from Tim Price, Siskoid, and Rob Kelly. I also got a Facebook message from a former guest, Robert Land, and everyone was pretty quick to point out that I screwed up in this one. Uh, the whole episode revolves around a woman named Jacqueline Bissett, who shares the same name as the actress. And I mentioned that Jacqueline Bissett was on Charlie's Angels. Both Robs, Kelly and Land, as well as Siskoid, pointed out that I was thinking of Jacqueline Smith. Here's the thing. I wasn't confused, and I wasn't thinking of Jacqueline Smith, but I was wrong. Yes, Jacqueline Smith was on Charlie's Angels, but for years, no, decades, I have had it in my mind that the three angels were Farrah Fawcett, Kate Jackson, and Jacqueline Bissett. Now, keep in mind, Charlie's Angels was mostly before my time. I've seen maybe two, three episodes in syndication in the 90s. It's not a show I think about, so I've had no occasion to look it up and correct myself. But somewhere along the way, somehow a long time ago, my mind inverted Jacqueline Smith and Jacqueline Bissett to the point where, like, if I was asked, like, a trivia question on a game show, I would bet all the money on the answer that uh, that Jacqueline Bissett was in Charlie's Angels, and I, I would have gotten it wrong. I can't explain this, but yeah. Oh well. So <laughs> thank you for correcting me, because so, now I know the truth. Uh, and, it, and yes, and as you can tell, it shattered my mind. Moving on, episode 19, Behind Every Great Man with Al Sedano as my guest got comments from Tim and Siskoid. Uh, episode 20, If Ever I Would Leave You, with guest Paul Spataro, got a comment from Tim Price who said, I never thought of this as a stealth Tortelli's pilot, but in hindsight, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if I would call it successful or not, although it mostly works because Carla is really the POV character, not Nick, which was not the dynamic of the Tortellis. Yes, I did watch the first couple of episodes when they aired. Don't judge me. Never, never, Tim, never. Uh, episode 21, The Executive's Executioner with David Ace Gutierrez got comments from Jeff R., Siskoid, David himself, and Tim Price. Jeff R. said, Norms, I can't be bought and I can't be threatened, but you put the two together, though, and I'm your man, is probably my second favorite line or moment of the entire series, right after Frazier's G. I'll try. That's, that's a good moment for Frazier. Looking forward to that. Is that... I'm not sure if that's next season or season five. That's a good one. Um, and and the, yeah, Norm's line too. That's that's really cool. I like that. You you love that one as much. Uh, Cisco had also said on that episode, Nick Tortelli and Frazier went to series, but this episode made me wonder about Cliff Clavin's show set at the post office. Uh, I mean, if the same creative people were involved, I can maybe maybe I can see it. I mean, because of how talented they were, it's it's hard for me to imagine, but possibly. Episode 22, Cheerio Cheers with John Trumbull, got comments from Siskoid, David A. Gutierrez, Mike Thomas, and Tim Price. Mike Thomas said, Coach's goodbye to Diane, where he thanked her for coming back, was heartfelt and a nice button to the season by referring back to the season opener, where he asked her to come back to help Sam. It's also poignant because Coach was Diane's only real friend at the bar, as Shelley Long said in the 200th episode retrospective. From what I have read, this was also true to some extent of the actors. Yeah, I, I kind of heard the same thing, that uh, Nikki Calasano was one of the few people who got along with Shelley didn't judge her and everything like that so yeah by this point when she's lost her only real ally uh, amongst the cast and then Fraser comes in who's going to be taking a lot of the same characteristics and a lot of the same comedic beats that might go to her and Kelsey Grammer is going to get a lot more you know chummy with the rest of the cast I think that leads uh, Shelley Long to be more and more isolated so maybe the writing was on the wall as far back as now when that she wasn't going to stick around but she's still got two more years so uh, episode 23, The Bartender's Tale, with my guest Rick Heineken, got comments from Chris Franklin, Brian Linton, and Tim Price. Brian Linton said, I don't know about Cape Cod, but there is a clothing-optional beach on Martha's Vineyard. After we first moved to the Cape, my wife and then five-year-old daughter unknowingly stumbled upon it on one of their early day trips to the island. For some reason, they've never taken me when I've accompanied them on later trips. Hmm, go figure. Interesting. <laughs> uh, episode 24, The Bells of St. Cleats with Tim Price, got comments from Chris Franklin, Siskoid, and Tim. 
Chris said, thanks for the Dark Shadows connection shout-out. The actress in question, this is uh, Camilla Ashland, who played Drusilla D'Amiglio. Um, Camilla Ashland appeared in a handful of times as an older character who dropped some info or misinfo on some of the main characters, and then she disappeared after a handful of episodes. I kept waiting for her to stick around every time she appeared, but she never did. Maybe she was too busy giving Carla a hard time. Maybe... Uh, and Cisco had said uh, about topping off Norm's beer how does the tab work at Cheers Norm drinks so quickly he wouldn't need to abandon a dram of beer at the bottom of his mug so does he think that's just the same beer that he won and he won an extra four fifths I guess Norm could just pay a monthly stipend that covers all of his beer it'd be easier to figure out for Sam probably would yeah uh, in episode 25, Rescue Me, with John and Maggie Schaefer-Hames, got comments from Jack Bone, Rob Kelly, and Paul Waldenberger. Jack Bone said, Every time you mention Norm's beer tab in increments of 100, I think of the Bob and Doug McKenzie skit where they explain the metric system, including the idea that there are 10 beers in the metric six-pack. You can get beer in the traditional housewarming present of a six-pack, well, a five-pack, or 12, or 24 in a case, 96 is a respectable four cases, and I can't help thinking Norm wouldn't have that in mind, and be aiming below it, as in he hasn't drank four cases over the course of a season. Ah, that's that's very interesting, because, I mean, as we've noted, this is three times now, three years in a row, where he's come just short of 100, um, but he's definitely in that 96 range, or, or close to it. Um, <laughs> very, very interesting. And now, of course, I'm thinking about Bob and Doug McKenzie, and I want to watch Strange Brew again. Uh, Rob Kelly said, Speaking of hard laughs, yes, the waiter's Luigi run is one of Cheers' best-running gags, delivered with perfection by Martin Ferrero. He also shows up on MASH in its last season, by the way, and I know him most as the hotel clerk in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I forgot about that. Uh, who trades a room for Steve Martin's watch. Uh, what is it? He, yeah, he has like a price in mind or something, but he gives him like twenty six dollars in his in his watch or something. Um, Rob says, "Always a welcome face in any movie or TV show." Yeah, I love Martin Ferrer. What? Because then John Caney offers, and he's like, "He's like, do you have twenty six dollars in a nice watch?" He's like, "No, I've got three dollars in a Casio." And uh, Martin Ferrer closes the window on him. Yeah, that's you know what that's that was probably the first time I saw Martin Ferrer too. I bet that was the first performance I saw him. Uh, Paul Waldenberger said, as for Martin Ferrero, the role I remember him best for is Luigi Finucci from the movie Oscar. He and Harry Shearer play the tremendously funny Finucci brothers. The whole movie is hilarious, despite its unfairly earned reputation. But that's a discussion for another forum. That's another good one. I really enjoyed the movie. I, and I remember, I remember that movie, a lot of people being underwhelmed or thinking that was kind of a bomb or something. But I thought Oscar was a really funny movie. I liked that one. I'm going to have to watch it. Oh, yeah. Um, and Tim Curry plays Dr. Paul. Hello. Oh, now, okay. So, Strange Brew, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Oscar. Three movies I need to watch in the next couple of weeks again. All right, now that that is taken care of, let's rank the 25 episodes of Season 3. As usual, this has nothing to do with the discussion that I had with my guests or the quality of the podcast. This is just my impression of the episodes of Cheers that we watched. And this is just Season 3. I eventually will incorporate them into my master list that I'm keeping for the whole series. But for just Season 3, number one favorite episode, Diane's Allergy. Number two... I Call Your Name, number three, King of the Hill, number four, An American Family, number five, Diane Meets Mom, number six, The Heart is a Lonely Snipe Hunter, number seven, Cheerio Cheers, number eight, Teacher's Pet, number nine, Rescue Me, number ten, Behind Every Great Man, Number 11, If Ever I Would Leave You. Number 12, Rebound Part 2. Number 13, Bar Bet. Number 14, The Bells of St. Cleats. Number 15, The Bartender's Tale. Number 16, Who Done It. Number 17, The Executive's Executioner. Number 18, Fairy Tales Can Come True. Number 19, Rebound Part 1. Number 20, A Ditch in Time. Number 21, The Mail Goes to Jail. Number 22, Peterson Crusoe. Number 23, Coach in Love Part 1. Number 24, Coach in Love Part 2. Number 25, Sam Turns the Other Cheek. Now again, just because some of those episodes were at the bottom of the list, they had to be. That's the way a ranking goes. Um, that doesn't mean they was, those were bad episodes. I, I love those episodes. I have watched them so many times. I probably will watch them again. 
Um, yeah, so it's just that, yeah, that's how it goes. And again, that has nothing to do with who my guests were for those episodes or the quality of our discussion. So uh, Now, the other uh, little bit of business that I've added to the show, someone else, and forgive me because I can't remember who suggested this, um, but if you want to take credit for it, let me know. Uh, someone suggested that I keep a running tally of all of the episode MVPs. So I started doing that. I made a little spreadsheet with rows of season numbers going down and then the cast members in columns going across. So it starts with Sam and then Diane and Rebecca share a column because they will kind of occupy the same spot. Then Coach and Woody share a column. Then Carla, Norm, Cliff, and then Frazier. And then there's a last spot for guest actors. Uh, I have only done this for season three so far. I still need to go back and re-listen to the first two seasons of the podcast. Actually, I, I should probably hire an intern for that. Anyway... I gave them a number every time someone voted for that character. On an average episode, with me and my guest, that's two votes. They could go to the same character, or they could split, depending on how my guest and I felt, like who we thought was the MVP. Sometimes we were in agreement, sometimes we didn't. The last episode this season had two guests, so there were three votes that time. Of course, we all went to the same one. Anyway, here are the results for season three. This was the the MVP, the people that my guests and I thought were the uh, employee of the week for that episode. With the highest number of votes this season, that means the most times I or my guests called him employee of the week, in first place is Sam with 10 points. That doesn't mean he was the MVP of 10 episodes. My guest and I voted for him 10 times. It could have been as few as five episodes if we all voted the same way. So, next, Diane got six votes. Coach got nine votes. That surprised me, I admit. I mean, I love I love Coach, but I always thought he was kind of like a runner-up in, in second place for a lot of episodes. Um, but he almost tied with Sam this season, and I think that shows how great Coach was and eh, maybe some extra affection knowing that this was going to be his final season. So. Uh, Carla got four votes this season. Norm got five. Cliff got five. Frazier only got three this season. Uh, a little bit surprising, although, you know, again, he's still kind of a, a more minor character still. Uh, and then there were seven votes split amongst various guest characters. Nick Tortelli got two. Lillian, the bartender, got two. And the waiter from Luigi's by Martin Ferrero got three. So, those were the MVPs, the employees of the week for Season 3. Again, hopefully I can go back to at some point and do Seasons 1 and Season 2 and get back to you. Uh, and I'll, I will continue doing that for Season 4, too. And um, I could also publish this spreadsheet at some point. But uh, Alright, not done with the feedback yet. Actually, I've still got a few emails to get through. The first one is from Liana Hales-Newton. Uh, she wrote in and said, During the pandemic, I have found comfort listening to your podcast. So thank you for that. Last night, I couldn't sleep and heard your episode where you responded to a Trump supporter who had written in. I know I am late in responding to this episode, and I hope you have already gotten positive feedback, but I just wanted to reach out and let you know that I was cheering you on with every word of your response. I enjoy your show before, and I will enjoy it even more now that I know what a good and caring person you are. Thank you very much, Liana. That that means a lot. Um, yeah, most I I think if people were turned off by my response in that that was um, uh, that was the mailbag episode for the end of season two. And if people hated that response, I, I'm sure they probably stopped listening to the show altogether and didn't tell me. Um, but most of the feedback that I have gotten for that little rant uh, were very positive indeed. So thank you. Uh, the next one, I'll read the whole email and then I'll explain how like the way it affected me. But anyway, this is from Greg Solomon. Hi, Ryan Daly. I recently found your Cheers podcast, and I am loving it, loving it, loving it. I came to Cheers at almost the very beginning, in the middle of the first season, during my second year of college. Yikes, I'm old. And, of course, I watched the reruns of the first half of the series that summer. I remained devoted to the series, though, for the entire 11 seasons. My VCR had a lot of action on Thursday nights, and I think I never missed an episode. And, of course, I have rewatched them many times during their syndicated run. I was really upset when they were taken off of Netflix. I started rewatching the entire series again at the beginning of COVID, and it was removed from Netflix, and it left where I had eight episodes left to go. Ah, Oh, man, that sucks. Uh, for me, Greg continues, for me, Cheers has always been a direct descendant of the Mary Tyler Moore show and Taxi. 
all of these shows had great comedy, pathos, and consistency. This is the first time that I am reaching out to a podcaster or broadcaster, but I had to tell you how much I am appreciating your show and the great analysis of every episode. So frustrating that I can't rewatch the shows after listening to your episodes. I think you are doing a fantastic job, and most of your guests bring a lot of interesting insight into the show. I love how you are picking up on so many details that I have admired all these years. I don't want to bore you with recounting all of them. I also appreciate how much you are recognizing Shelley Long's great performance in the show. I always thought she was the unsung hero of the series, and I did love Kirstie Alley's Rebecca also. Yeah, I'll, just kidding. I, I, I agree too, and I, I definitely that was one of the more surprising things, especially in that first season, was how much I responded to Diane. Because again, when I started watching the show, I was I was watching during the Rebecca years, and I was more of a Rebecca fan. Um, but that that has certainly changed. And I have so much more respect for Shelley Long and the Diane character now. Uh, anyway, uh, Greg continues. So I love your show, but too quick in parentheses, negative comments. I suppose you are not going to stop this, but I have to tell you that counting Norm's beer count is getting old already. In my opinion, it is not adding anything to your show. I'm sorry. Also, in your podcast about the episode Coach's Daughter, I couldn't believe that you and your guest didn't comment on Coach's line, Sam, I got him, when he leaves the bar with his daughter after she dumped Roy. I felt that line added so much reality, warmth, sincerity, and heart to the series and to Coach's character. I'm not a writer or a podcaster, but if you ever want an everyday fan's input into any of your future episodes, I would always welcome the opportunity to discuss Cheers. Keep up the good work, Greg Solomon. Okay, um, there's a couple things that I, I do want to respond to, but for, for those of you listening, I kind of have to tell you about the um, the weird sort of surreal way that this uh, this email affected me. Um, first, thank you again, Greg, for the, the whole email. Uh, I loved hearing all that praise. Um, but your email scared me a little bit at first because here's the thing. I had a high school teacher named Greg Solomon. And he he taught me, he directed me in plays and musicals, he was really involved, very funny teacher, very engaging teacher, beloved by the students, uh, a great guy, great guy. And when I saw the email from a Greg Solomon talking about my church podcast, I assumed that's who it was reaching out to me after so many years. Uh, and I was I was reading the email with his voice in mind, going through all these things, like, wow, wow, wow. And it was about halfway through the email, I was like, hmm, wait a minute, does this, is this the same guy? Does this age blind him? Eventually, I, I found out by the end of it because of... Um, because of the, the the signature and the attachment that this this uh, person who emailed this Greg Solomon is not the same Greg Solomon, uh, not the same one. But yeah, it was it was kind of a weird a weird effect because half of the time I'm reading this email, I'm thinking they, this is a teacher that I loved in high school now reaching back to me, and I was like, oh, this is going to be an interesting thing if I ask him to be on the show. But of course, completely different, completely different person. Um, but again, thank you very much for for your uh, for that email, for the comments, the the praise that you had. I I wish I could point everybody right now to a streaming service that has Cheers on it right now. I don't know what it is. DVDs are still available. It is. I mean, you can you can buy or rent episodes either on like Amazon or or iTunes or something like that. But yeah, I wish it was. I wish it was on something as easy as Netflix or, or Amazon Prime or Hulu or one of those shows. Um, We'll see. I mean, these things kind of cyclical. Maybe in a year or two, it'll get picked up. I hope so, for the, especially for the sake of people that I want to be on the show, and I, I don't want them to have to pay to see the shows. Um, in terms of the one comment about the uh, Norm's Beer tab, I mean, it's been going for three seasons now. Let me throw that out to the audience. Uh, you guys let me know. Is that a, a feature that you continue to enjoy? Is that a waste of time? Because it would certainly save me time if I stopped counting all of the beers. But if you guys think it's additive, if you're enjoying that count, if if it's going to be fun kind of by the end of the series to look at how much he did over time, let me know. I'll, I'll continue to do that. that. My plan was to do that throughout all 11 seasons, but if I'm, if it's a waste... If most of you feel that way, let me know, and I will drop it instantly. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the emails, both Greg and Liana. 
Uh, loved hearing those. Loved hearing your comments. Um, and uh, just just before I go, uh, looking at the iTunes or now Apple Podcasts reviews, uh, I got three new ones, I believe, from the last time. Um, this one, this first one, might be my favorite review. Um, this is a one-star review posted last November 11th, 2020, by a guy named, or I'm assuming a guy could be a woman, named Fat Chuddy. Uh, and the title of the review is Politically Correct Crap. He says, I really liked this show's format, and it is about one of my all-time favorite shows. But the nonsense where everything is measured by today's woke warriors, what is homophobic, racist, etc., not necessary and irrelevant. The show is great for its time and place. Stop rewriting history and tearing down our past. Yuck. Um, one listener found that review helpful. I, I, I don't know how to respond. I mean, that's just that's just a beautiful review. I, 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 I am touched so much by that. Perfect. Beautiful. Um, the next review, uh, for some reason, this one gave it five stars. Uh, it says, Great look at this iconic show by Gleek number 22. I am currently rewatching Cheers for the third time and was looking for a podcast to go along with my rewatch. This show delves into the series Beautiful, features fun, interesting, and entertaining discussion. I find Cheers to be vastly underrated, and it is so enjoyable to have this guide. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for that five-star review. Gleek22, I'm assuming, uh, is that Gleek as in a geek for Glee, the show? I've heard them referred to as Gleeks. Uh, and then one more five-star review from this past February, Just What I Needed by City Mouse. We've been watching one episode of Cheers a day during Corona, and this podcast is a great companion piece. They really get what makes Cheers great. Thank you very much. Thank you for the iTunes or Apple Podcasts reviews. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the comments left on the website uh, and any likes or shares on social media. I love getting those. All right, that is going to be it for this episode. I want to thank John Trumbull again for helping me cover that weird part of a St. Elsewhere episode involving the cast of Cheers. Now I'm going to take another month or two off before getting into Cheers Season 4. Might be back in May, that's what I'm hoping for, but who knows, can't promise, we'll see how I'm feeling. For now, though, thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and Ashford Wright from the Right On Network, who sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Hey everybody, listen up! This is one of the most amazing men in the world. One of the most amazing men that ever stepped into a baseball diamond. He was a great ball player. I know, I played against him. But listen, the man is totally blind! Honey, I'm not blind and I never was Come on, Corelli, don't be modest You were a legend You were an absolute legend The whole league talked about the blind man Who played shortstop for Topeka But Andy, you're all confused They called me the blind man Because I sold Venetian blinds Door-to-door during the off-season My God, how did he find the doorbell? Now, is that an inspirational story or not, huh? They didn't buy your product out of pity. Now, I'm telling you, Corelli. Hey, uh, I'll see you later. Corelli, watch it. The steps there, please. Coach, I think he can see as well as we can. Carla, in some ways, he can see more.